Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Before we get into the sermon this morning, let me ask um, a couple of questions to kind of ground us. Um, is, there, is there any benefit to being in Christ? I know this is like preaching to the, you know, the choir here, right? You wouldn't be here, right, if there's, if there's no benefit. And so, in fact, he tells us in, second, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, he tells us, is there any comfort, um, is there any uh, consolation for being in Christ? And it's interesting, the word used even in Romans chapter 8, 1, it says, uh, there's no condemning or no condemnation to those who are in Christ, right? There's one thing to know about Christ, it's another thing to be in Christ, and him and you. He tells us in John 17, I'm in the Father, the Father's in him, me, and we're in one, and I want you to all be one with us, right? So there's this oneness in Christ. Well, I came across this study, which I, you know, me, I like, when science and uh, history starts to prove that the Bible's right, I always get excited. In fact, I have a drawer full of things where they found out later that science discovered the Bible was real, (laughs) There's a really there was a guy atheist uh, Josh McDowell. He wrote two books. They're about that thick. He was an, an atheist. Says I'm going to prove these Christians are wrong. So he wrote a book, um, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and he did probabilistic studies of archaeological finds and studies and what the Bible said. And it comes out to these phenomenal numbers. You know, you number folks, 10 to the 29th power that God didn't say what he said he said. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, so this uh, study came out. Um, it was interesting that we know that the word is life to my bones, right? The scripture's in there. Uh, it turns out people that have an active faith in Christ live longer and happier. <laughs> there are multiple studies. Um, they, they, in fact, they started doing statistics. They took obituary studies and interviews and how did this person live, where did they, and it's, it's really kind of amazing. One study said that Christians, faith walkers, uh, who are active, there's another thing is like, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't believe in Jesus, and then you go out and do your own thing. No, no, active Christ followers who are in Christ live, one study said 5.64 years more than others. Atheists and, and agnostics, uh, those who plain don't know or those that don't believe in God at all or say he doesn't exist. Another study said four years. When they took all the uh, different things aside, because there are the marriage matters and health, obviously, but they started to say, why? Why do these Christians live longer? And why are their lives more fulfilled? Why, why do they have more peace? Well, because the word's full of don't be anxious for anything when you can trust God. You know, I don't have to fix it myself. I don't have to rely. I mean, it just starts to make duh, you know, anyway. And so um, the life expectancy is when they started to look off, what about their health? Why is it that they seem to stave off more diseases than others? Well, if you believe in faith, (laughs) right, Bishop, <laughs> and uh, it says, the study provides per- pervasive evidence that there's a relationship between religious faith participation and how long a person lives. And so, it's like, anyway, I just, uh, they are less lonely, right, even though we may get lonely. Um, and it, they also separated out, there are people that do philanthropy things. They volunteer, they do good works. Now, good works will not save you, Right? I'm a good person. Yeah, well, good luck with that. It doesn't work. Because Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, not that you shouldn't be a good person, but Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 said it's by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man would boast. So there's something about that place where, yes, faith opens the door. If we haven't heard that this morning, wow, right? The faith opens the door, but once I'm in the door, there ought to be works, and and the, so they took out volunteerism from a non-faith perspective. I know I'm going into too much probably, but I just get excited about this. And they said, that doesn't do it. It, it helps about a year's worth of life if you're involved in volunteerism with other folks. But there's something more about religious affiliation in Christ, volunteering as family in connection that will extend your life. 
and you will be healthier and happy. Well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, we could list a whole bunch of scripture. I just like, well, I'm glad you're catching up, science. It's about time you caught up. You know, anyway, okay. That matters as kind of a preamble to what I want to talk about. And we heard so much this morning when the Holy Spirit was just, even the song set, right? And so, the scripture is that I want to share out of is in Ezekiel. But if you'll pull out your outline, if you don't have an outline, we have them in the foyer. So, pick up an outline. It'll be good. You know, I always give more scriptures. My wife says, you know, you're going to give me a headache with all your scriptures. And um, take it with you. Study it. Um, it's good to review it. Make sure, one, it's in the book, right? Because we said that it's, if it's in the book, then it's good for teaching and equipping us. I was trying to wrestle with this question, and I want to ask you it, and I'm sure you would join me in this. Do you ever get frustrated or disappointed with yourself for inconsistency? Okay, two of you or everyone else is lying. Okay. Okay. I mean, come on. It's the, how many of us, they start with the statistics of you make your New Year's resolution, and like by the third day, I can't even get back to the gym, right? <laughs> like, or dieting, or I should have done my homework. Why wasn't I more consistent? I was watching my neighbor, you know, I'd drive by, and not that I'm trying to be critical, but his lawn, I would watch it, and his lawn, it, I'm serious, it was like, it was approaching a foot high, and I'm like, well, one day I saw him out there, and I don't know how many hours, and it was clogging them over, stopping, and the lawn was all chewed up, and there's grass everywhere. I'm sure he's going, I wish I had cut the grass sooner. Yeah. And so that, that inconsistency t tends to be one of these human traits. We get frustrated. We, you know, we wake up. Um, on a spiritual connotation, I remember... Uh, one day, a, a woman, I didn't know her, she knocked on the door, asked for a moment of uh, some counseling. She was very distraught, and um, it's been years ago, but she came in, she goes, you know, I'm a single mother, I have two children, I don't know how I got to this place. I'm now a prostitute, I'm stripping to get money, I'm hooked on drugs, and DSS is going to come take my children. How did I get here? It's that doorway that we get into this dark hole. Whether you've never been a believer and you just end up in this place where life doesn't satisfy. It just, because there's only one true satisfaction. I remember uh, Richard Dreyfus. Some of you are probably too, too young to remember him. But he did some amazing, and he was getting his Oscar on, uh, I think it was for Holland's, uh, Holland's Opus or something like that. Anyway, he was being interviewed. And uh, it just struck me. Here he is. He's sitting in his million-dollar mansion being interviewed by Barbara Walters. And it's like he's got his, you know, his trophy and all. And like she, Barbara says, let me just ask you one final question, Richard. You've come to the top of your career. If you could have one thing, what would it be if I could just find peace? I can't find peace. And it just hit me. I said, oh, Richard, you need the Prince of Peace you got to have the, you can't find it in your rewards and all your money and all your, it, it, you'll end up bankrupt. And so, and that's whether you've never known Christ or you've walked away from Christ. There's this place where let's get anchored back into my true identity. We heard that today. That whole thing is, I loved it. That was perfect, Alicia. That identity as being an Alaskan or something that you do. When, oftentimes when men are interviewed, they, they tell you what their profession is. So, well, what, you know, who are you? What do you do? Is I'm this or I'm that. Whereas women tend to go relationally. And so there's something about um, this identity that the Lord wants us to grab hold of. And so in your walk of faith, there's many times, you know, I've been, I added up the years. I've been doing, I've been, got introduced to Christ 45 years ago. Now, I'd love to say that it was good when I, I worked for General Electric for 26 years, and after I got saved, if you read my book, if you haven't gotten a copy of my book, you can pick up one there. If you've never taken one before, I'll give it to you. Don't just take it. It's the journey of how did, how did I get to this place? And I would love to say that my journey was just like Pastor Willie said he got saved, even though he had an afro. I saw the picture. 
he, in his office, like, who is that guy on some motorcycle with this young lady behind him, right? And so, anyway, he went from not being saved to in Jesus. That's not my journey. It was like in Jesus and then as, you know, working for G and some of the folks, the very worldly folks I worked with. And, and when I look at that journey and I wonder, how is it that we're so inconsistent but once we've tasted and we see, once you've tasted, there's nothing. And I have done, I'm not exaggerating now, I have done hundreds and hundreds of inner healing prayer ministries on different continents. And it, humans are humans. And they come in and they'll say similarly things like, how did I get off track? Why was I so on fire and now I'm not? And now I realize, and it's that journey into faith Sometimes he allows us to go into the valley of the dark hole to let us know that in that pain, we got to get back to the top of the mountain. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Psalm 24, right? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart can climb the hill of the Lord. So we're on this journey up to the top. And as you get near the top, that's why when we're in this place where we're hearing prophetic words, get ready, Global River, it's coming. I mean, if we haven't heard multiple, multiple things about that, but as we get, one of the things that scares me or concerns me, because we're not to be afraid, but we're to be reverentially honoring of the Lord, right? God hasn't given us fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. In our soundness of mind, he says, when you start to get towards the top of the precipice, you better link up and be ready. You better have the right climbing shoes. You know, when they go up, they got all this gear and stuff. These guys that just freed up, I'm like, whoa. We need to, one, be locked in with the Lord as we get hold, because as the wind is a whole lot more up there. As we go up as a church, he's not going to tolerate a lot of the stuff he's tolerated before. An example in the, old, in the New Testament is in Acts with Ananias and Sapphira. When the Holy Spirit fell in such a way, when the believers in the church lied about their giving, both of them dropped dead. They say, Whoa. They lied. How many of us have not lied? <laughs> yeah. uh, one hand went up. Okay, so, and so we've all lied, and we so, and so, so we, we're at the place where be careful when we get into that place where the spirit of God is moving in power. The, it's not the same rodeo. All right. So there's a warning there. All right. Let's let's take a look at uh, the scriptures here. Why don't you turn with me to Romans chapter 1, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, familiar scripture, verse 1 and 2. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, in Ezekiel. We're going to build on this. Paul writes, titles it, to become a living sacrifice for God. A living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice is it can crawl off the altar, right? If, it's, if you're a living sacrifice, there's times when you can crawl off the altar and say, I'm not, I'm not going there, I'm not doing that, or I get distracted. But he tells us here as living sacrifices, needing, reading out of the New Living Translation, it says in verse 1, Romans 12, 1, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, King James says, I beseech you, this is like really important, that you give your bodies to God, your bodies to God, interesting statement, that word is your physical frame, because it, of all that he's done for you, let them be a living holy sacrifice, the kind that he finds acceptable. This is truly a way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. King James says it in verse 2, be not conformed to this world. The world is telling us a whole bunch of garbage. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. 
This conformist conforming to the world. The world is forever trying to get us to come into an agreement with sin, dumbing down sin. The latest, I don't know if you saw this, this uh, Netflix, there's lots and lots of people canceling their Netflix subscription. In fact, their stock dropped like a rock. They came out with a movie, a French movie called Cuties. I didn't watch it. I saw portions of it. Fred Cruz has actually asked the Department of Justice to investigate whether they're into pedophilia. What are they doing as child abuse? And so, just a thought. I know our family canceled Netflix. Uh, there's other things. There was another one some of them uh, canceled before when they came out with a Brazilian movie that showed Jesus in a way that was not um, acceptable, not scriptural. And so, that's just for you to think about. I refuse to put money towards anything that is promoting abuse of children. And so, don't conform to the world. The world is telling you all sorts. It's, it's all part of the strategy of the devil to dumb down uh, the sin and make it more acceptable, and it's not. You will be judged for it one way or another. The Lord will bring it. Okay, so he says in Romans, don't conform. Now let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. So turn to the right, and let's come to chapter 4. Building upon this new spirit and new heart. I love what Lisa said, what Alicia said, the Holy Spirit is all over today about what is true identity. What is true identity? Let's begin in verse um, 17. Living as children of the light. Ephesians 4, 17. Living as children of the light. We are the children of God. It says, with the Lord's authority... I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and they have hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned from Christ, about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old nature, your sinful nature. This is what Lisa was saying. That word in, uh, when we're baptized, the word in the Greek is katageo. The old man is now unemployed. He's been put out of business. Now, you can re-employ him. You can, re you can put him back to work. If you open up the doors, you may get into this place and you become inconsistent in your walk. And guess what? You put that old sin man back to business. And when that happens, sometimes it comes back seven times worse in Revelation 12. There are those that are desperate sometimes, like, how did I get so far down this, this hole? Throw off, verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. It goes on and says, stop telling lies. Don't be offended. Don't let the, sin, the sun go down on your, your anger. Be helpful. Be thankful. And then it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You who are walking in the fullness of God, there's this place where the baptism of God comes in after you're saved. We've taught on that. We'll probably teach some more on it, touch on it. But it says in verse 35 that we are to be encouraged and don't bring sorrow. Verse 30, sorry. Verse 30 says, and don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of bitterness and rage and anger harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior, and be kind to each other and tenderhearted. So again, as living as children of the light, there is this place where we're invited, we say yes, and we consistently apply these truths. Well, I like this scripture a lot where he says he will do a lot of the work. So let's, uh, let's take a look at... Um, Turn with me, if you will, to Ezekiel chapter 36. I know that Brenton shares this a lot. It's like, man, when I let God do it, I let God do it. You know, it's like, yeah, but there's still this place of total surrender. 
And so we need to let the Holy Spirit have his way. And so when he does, he gives us a level of empowerment. Now, what's really exciting about this is I know um, the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, 2,000 years ago after the resurrection. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until, right, in Acts chapter 1, he says, don't leave Jerusalem to the disciples until the Father sends the gift. I told you about this. The Father will send the gift. Do not leave. Even though they're in a place where they just crucified Jesus and the disciples are hiding out. I might have gone to the Galilean hills. But he said, no, no, don't you leave Jerusalem. It's going to be here. And he says, when the Father sends the gift, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive the Holy Spirit and power. We got to have power in order to do this. You can't not be conformed to this world without the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry. I've been in the denominations. I pre you, unless you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you cannot do this. It's not possible. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19. You read those scriptures. Just go online and say, Holy Spirit baptism, and you'll get everything that will come, and I'll give you a teaching that we've done multiple times. But what's exciting about Ezekiel 36, there was a season that was going to happen in Israel's history where God said, I will write on your heart. I'll take the stone out, I'll put a flesh in, and I will write my words on your heart, and I will make you. Now, when was that? It's interesting. You look at Ezekiel 36. This is a specific scripture that has not been fulfilled yet. In fact, he says, in the latter days, when Gog and Magog come against the land of Israel, which only formed in 1947, right? When, when I do that, in the latter days, I will bring an enemy against Israel. When that day is approaching, in the latter days, 3,600 years since this word was given, it's like... 2,600 years since this word was given. This is the place where when Israel comes back into their land, God is going to start to write something differently on the hearts. Look at this scripture. Because it's significantly tied to, that's why you need to read this book. If you want to understand what's going on in the world today, do you realize, I'm getting wound up, do you realize today that they just nominated Trump for his second Nobel Prize? Why? Because one, the... When the Arab nations start to come in and start recognizing the legitimacy of Israel as a nation, we're starting to walk in a day that's getting really, really close. When the AUE, a couple of the United Arab, uh, UAE, when the United Arab Emirates came in and now Bahrain is coming in and you're going to see more coming in. We're living in that day and here's what he said. Let's begin in Ezekiel 36 and let's start in 24. I will gather you, speaking to Israel, Ezekiel 36, 24, for I, the Lord, will gather you from the nations and bring you home again to your land. Happened 1947. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean, speaking to Israel. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's why when we did this worship, la, 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 like, oh, yeah, we're responding. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. God is saying, there's a day coming that all of your trials and all the stuff and the law and everything you try, guess what? I'm about ready to pour out the spirit with such power that this is going to be a different day. And it's a different day. And we're seeing it. Neil's been there how many times to Israel? So, and we've, we've been there, it's like, it was hard, it was hard rowing, but there now there's this total openness. In fact, we've been supporting a, a spirit-filled organization in Mayus for years, and it's a, an evangelistic outreach group in Tel Aviv. They're now sending missionaries into Brazil and other, it's like, what is going on in Israel? And so, what is God doing? He is preparing, he's preparing, and that's why it's like, he said he would do this. After those days, I will put my instruction in you. Turn with me to Jeremiah for a minute. Jeremiah, let's go to 3131. The prophet Jeremiah, what had happened here is, Jeremiah, he had a hard role, boy, as a prophet. You're just like, whew, man. 
he, um, he struggled for years and prophesied. They had all these false prophets saying, oh, everything's going to be really fine. We're going to be good. And, and he said, no, you're not. You, you guys are so lawless. You're worshiping idols. You're killing children. Uh, you're doing all sorts of evil things, perversion, murder. No, God is going to bring judgment. And he kept preaching that. And it's like, but then he preaches hope. There will be a day, Jeremiah concludes with Ezekiel. There will be a day. Look at verse 31, Jeremiah 31, 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sin. He goes on. That's the same scripture that's quoted in the New Testament. And so we see this. And so when we see that God is doing something new in this, that's why this new season, we heard about this new season that's coming, right? So when we see what Jeremiah prophesied, it's wild. Um, I think I told the group, I don't know, it was Wednesday night or Friday. I guess it was Friday night. Um, I think it was Tuesday at 3.33 a.m. I was awakened like, you know, I'm sound asleep and all of a sudden, boom, I'm awake. Like, and I look at the clock, 3.33. And the Lord does that with me. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things you didn't know. He's going to share secrets. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm like still like, Lord, you want to share some secrets with me? You know, I was thinking maybe you could do it at seven. You know. But so I'm, I'm going through the, Lord, what secret do you want to share with me? Is it about that? And I was like, right, I'm out. And at 555, five, I'm awakened, not to the same extent, 555 five, is divine favor. The Lord says, I'm going to pour out divine favor. I said, oh, okay. Is that about the country? Is that about Israel? Is that about the family? Is that about the church? And then when Rabbi Marty gives a prophecy about breakthrough like that coming, when we're positioned to worship in the, like we did Friday night to the places of this morning, and God is, wants to, he wants to, right on our hearts. He's just looking for some who will be prepared and positioned. Will you open the door? I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door, Revelation 3.20, I will come in. He wants to have supper with us, right? He told us in the song, he says, I will prepare a table for you in the presence of of your enemies. That's not in heaven. We got enemies on this earth. He says, I'll prepare a table for you, right? And so there's this place of the new covenant. Well, let's, let's go on. Look at your hand out there. It says the new covenant. The greatest defect, number one, the greatest defect of the old covenant was it lacked the power to enable people to do what it commanded, right? The book of Hebrews says it was not a it was imperfect. In fact, a more excellent covenant came through Christ, right? It was necessary because it showed that the law showed us what sin was. But we see that that defect, it lacked power. Turn with me to Romans 8, a very familiar scripture here to us. But let's look at Romans 8. I think, it's, I, think I counted how many times they used the Spirit in that. But let's turn there. Romans chapter 8. I've already quoted out of verse 1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit. I think I counted, depending on the translation, but they're all very similar, 21 times in 39 verses, the word spirit or Holy Spirit is used. 21 times in 39 verses. You think he's trying to get your attention? He's not stuttering. <laughs> 
How important is the Holy Spirit to this, right? And so go through that. It says, he says in verse 3, he says, for what the law could not do, it was weak through the flesh, but God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Then in verse, uh, he goes on, it says, by the Spirit in verse 9, he says, but you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. And then it goes on, it says, walk in the Spirit and mortify the deeds of the flesh by walking in the Spirit. And just look at what he says. You've got to make a choice. It always comes down to free will. The greatest of gift besides salvation is your free will. Those are the two, the top is salvation. You have the ability to live forever with God, but you've got to choose. Your free will is involved. You can choose not to. You can say, look, I'm not going that way, and uh, the consequences of that will be eternal. But you can surrender that place of freedom. You can surrender your free will. And when you walk in that free will, you still have choices. Do I go to the bar on Friday night? Do I smoke dope? Do I sleep around? Do I lie? Do I cheat? Do I steal? Do I cheat on my taxes? Those are all choices. And just says, you'll know that you have the love of God. We're going to look at this in a minute. 1 John 2 says, you will know that you know God by what you do. I mean, John was like, in his 90 years of age, the only surviving, the only one not martyred for his faith, John the Revelator, he, if, there's, if they're being imprisoned in the Isle of Patmos, he writes First John. And he tells it like it is. He's been around third generation of the church since Christ, and he tells it like it is. So why don't we turn there for a minute. Turn to First John chapter 2, verse 3. First John, the very back by Revelation, First John chapter two. Let's look at verse three. See, I, I wrote in the outline in there in three A. There's a difference between knowing and knowing that you know God. There are a lot of people who say, "I know God." The question is, does God know you? Remember, he said, "On that day, there'll be those that called me Lord, Lord." He says, I never knew you. But we prophesied. We, we cast out demons. We did works. What you did was not lawful. It was not authorized by me what you did. You didn't have a relationship with me. And so the question is, do you know God or do you know that you know God? And how do I know that I know God? And John, the old man, he answers this question for us. Thank you, Jesus. He says it. And verse 3, 1 John 2, 3, and you can be sure, you can be sure that you know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey the commandments, that person's a liar and is not living in the truth. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the words, okay? I'm just, I'm just reading the word. And so... You want to make this a transitional gospel that I want to fit it to my culture. It doesn't work like that. God is absolute. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, what if I don't like what he says? Well, he's God and you're not. <laughs> Hello. I'm sorry. You know, you don't get to set the rules. <laughs> I'd love to change some of the rules. I, I... Verse 4, if someone claims I know God but doesn't obey commandments, that person's a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. There's some really strong words here. This is how we know we are living in him, in him, living in him. Verse 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Oh, Lord, now I'm humbled, right? Oh, we got to live like Jesus did. It's like, Lord, you know how hard that was. Yeah, that's why I sent the Holy Spirit, son. And guess what? The good news is when I was back here and General Electric got saved and behaving all this craziness, and I'm not the same person I was. And praise God, I'm not going to be the same person I am now. 
because God has got us on a journey of obedience. He's walking us through obedience, willfully making choices, messing it up, causing a mess, repenting, getting off it. Come on, get closer. Come on, come on, keep coming. Come on. It's like you watch little Rosalie running around. Come on, Rosie, let me show you how to, let me show you how to worship. Come on. It's like God gives us grace. He fits us for where we are. He gives us experiences there. Keep coming, keep coming. And so God wants us to keep seeking after him. And you can know, that because once you know that you know, I don't know about you, I'll just be transparent for a minute. When I have errant thoughts or something, it's like I got offended with somebody in the past and one of my counselors at lunch I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to straighten them out. I'm going to give them a rebuke. My counselor got real quiet. He's just such a wise older man. He goes, Pastor, you don't have enough love in your heart right now to talk to that person. You're going to mess this all up. You may be righteously angry, but you got to get some love on this thing, right? And what a great counselor. So I had to get myself in a different place, Lord. And so in this journey of learning how to love. Uh, what Bob Jones, a prophet who's in, um, in heaven now, when he had died and was uh, brought back to life, he came back, he said, when I was in heaven, there were, there were two lines there in heaven, and the Lord, he said, I'm sending you back, Bob, because I got a mission for you. Of course, he impacted a lot of amazing people. You want to read any of his prophecies? He, he was a character of all prophets. He was a very interesting character. Um, but the Lord asked him the question. He said, when you come back next time, Bob, I'm going to ask you this question. Did you learn to love? Did you learn to love, Bob? And so he carried that with, well, I wonder if I've learned to love yet. <laughs> He's an interesting character. When we look at love's journey, look at 3B. Love's journey into this obedient life is a pursuit into his presence. That's why we put, put such a high value on worship. And yeah, there's a discipline to it. And so we just press in, we keep pressing in. One of the things in number four there that we think we've expelled that, and the book will deal with this a lot about replacement theology. There are those in the in the kingdom. I think they're being dispelled now. Do you realize when Israel was formed as a nation, the statistics were there were about 6 million evangelical Christians. There were about 6 million Bible-believing Christians in 1948. I mean, truly bible believing Today, there's over 600 million estimated. Why? What the heck? Why is it one of the... It is the fastest-growing Christian faith. They're usually non-denominational. Why are the denominational systems crashing and burning, right? And the non-denominational, evangelical, spirit-filled, believing churches are increasing. Why? Because the Word is true, <laughs> right? He will bless those. But in it is also the fact that Israel was formed as a nation. So those who said in the denominations, we are the new church, we are the new Israel. Well, you ought to read Romans 11, because you're not right. Romans 11 says, we have been grafted in. I won't have his turn there. But he says in Romans 11, we've been grafted in. We as the wild olive branch, we Gentiles have been grafted in. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, we're now the one new man, Jew and Gentile together, right? And so we have been grafted in. And once Israel's formed as a nation in 1948, they said, wait a second. And they started looking all at the scriptures in Ezekiel and how many hundreds of prophecies about Israel being brought into their land. That can a nation be born in a day, as Isaiah said, and it was in 1948, born in one day. Well, if, if the Bible's right on that, and look at all these hundreds of prophecies, maybe it's right on other things. And guess what? It's, it's hundreds of prophecies about Jesus coming. Maybe this book is real. Maybe it's right. Maybe the predictions that are coming are real. Maybe what he said is really going to happen because he's been consistent. It's like, yeah. And you'll align yourself to that truth more and more. And so when we get to that place where we've been grafted in, we realize we're now part of the Abrahamic covenant. Galatians, I've listed that in number uh, four. We've been grafted in, 
but we're also now part of the Abrahamic covenant, Galatians chapter 3. So all the promises given to Abraham are now yours as well. And so, but we would be remiss, and we've already asked for those to enter in today. If there's a new perfect covenant that has come, and I listed that at number five, Hebrews, we won't turn there. That perfect covenant by the high priest Jesus, you must be born again. John 3, 7 said, you must be. Jesus must. It's not, well, when, you know, that might work out for you. No. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you try to do this without the Holy Spirit, and I just listed several scriptures there, but you can look at the bottom there, seeking and asking the Father. Let me... Let me conclude. Let's turn to one more scripture. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, and we'll close. In Luke 11, there is this place, well, when I was in a particular denomination, actually when I was in Bible college, they never taught this. Um, they thought, well, when I get saved, I get everything I need. I got the Holy Spirit, and I'm done. Now, you do get the Holy Spirit on salvation, your spirit man is remade alive. Well, how come my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions are still pretty messed up? I need to be sanctified. I need to walk in this. I have to journey through life with Christ, being empowered by the Holy Ghost. And so, once we get the power of the Holy Spirit, then we start to see things start to shift and change. New revelation. I get more and more of the mind of Christ. And so, but, Pastor, how, does, how do we do it? How do we, how do we, well, seek, knock, right? But there's a specific scripture Jesus wrote. These are red letters. You need to ask the Father. I know the Holy Spirit can fall in a meeting. We've been in places where I remember being in a meeting in Brazil where the Holy Spirit just fell. There were about 8,000 people in this room. And when the Holy Spirit came in, miracles started happening. The deaf mutes started speaking. The blind eyes opened I'm God's honest truth. There was a woman that had a tumor about the size of a softball. It fell out of her body on the floor in front of the altar. And I'm just, these are th when the Holy Spirit starts moving, He can do whatever He wants to do. And I love those. I long for those meetings where the sovereign move of God happens, and it's like, oh my God. I remember Randy Clark turning to me in that. We we're in Manaus, Brazil, and he says, I've lost control, and God's here. Oh, yeah, he was here. Twelve, there were like 12 deaf mutes on that side started speaking, and they never spoke a word. And their, their translators are crying, and, and God, the people jumping out of chairs. Oh, God, just heal me. I can see. I can see. And I'm like, oh, my God. It was like, I long for those. Lord, please, those sovereign places of God. But there's this journey. We got to get enough of the fiery stones. First Peter 2. You are a living stone building up the temple of God. Know ye not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple. That's why he says, how can you be enjoined to a prostitute? Don't you know that once Christ has come in you, you are a spirit-filled believer? You can't be joined like that. You can't defile. You can. You can make that choice. You will defile it, but you carry the gift of the Holy Ghost. So put that stuff aside and repent. Turn, because all of us have got sin. There's no, there is not one righteous. I'm not speaking to anybody. I'm speaking to me. There's none righteous. No, not one. But all of us have to come. And he says in 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins to him, he's faithful to forgive me from all unrighteousness. The beauty of that, I did a prayer ministry recently, and this person was like so broken and choices and just sad and shamed and guilted. I said, don't you realize that the blood of Jesus, because of your delivery, we did five hours in prayer, and she, I said, don't you realize you've been so deliberate about your confession? When you walk out of here today, you have no record of sin in your life. Not one. This all-knowing, all-powerful God who knows everything. I don't know how it works, but he says, I can't remember your sin as far as the east is from the west. The blood of Jesus has so freed you, I can't see it. And on that day when you stand before him, and he's your God, and he is your author of life finisher, says, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Come on, if that doesn't do something to you, it's like... Come on, that Jesus in us. And so we've got to have this place. Well, how do we get there? How do we get to this presence? 
Jesus tells us, ask the Father. Come on, turn with me. You might want to circle this. I don't know about you. Some people don't like to mark up their Bible, but I'm like Lisa. Like, I don't have pink, but I have others, right? And so, in, in this, it's in Luke 11, it says this. It's on this time of prayer, teaching about prayer. Jesus says a whole teaching in Luke 11. And then he says in verse 9, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Boy, we've had themes about doors. Keep, keep, keep. And the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, that's why that word that, that was given by uh, Megan, some of you are knocking on the wrong door. You've been knocking on the wrong door. There's a door called Jesus. You can try to do it in your profession. You can try to do it in immorality. You can try. You're knocking. You're trying to find something. You're not going to find it. you got to knock on the right door. And when Jesus, oh, I'll come in. Keep knocking. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Then he goes and he shares this really amazing, it's like, God, you're talking all about prayer, and now it's like you shift. But this is so important. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? No. Praise God, Katie. Even though she puts fake rats under my pillow sometimes. But I tell you what, Katie, I'm, all right, back on track. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? In other words, if, you're, if they're asking for something good, are you going to give them something evil? No. Good. Even evil fathers. So even if evil fathers know how to give what is good, so if you sinful people know how to give a good gift to your children, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You got to ask Him. Well, you know, God knows where I'm at. If He wants me to have it, He can let me. No, it doesn't work that way. Get your shovel out and start digging for gold. Get all the dirt out and let, well, there's nuggets there. We got to find those nuggets. So let's stand Ashley, would you come and let's just uh, play a little guitar in the background here. We, we want to, I want to invite the ministry team, put your masks on so we can, we can pray quietly close and share so nobody's uncomfortable with that. I want to invite the ministry team, if you're here this morning and you've got a burden in your heart or maybe something in the Holy Spirit's word just, man, I just want to, I want to privately share. I don't, I don't want anybody else to know it. Our ministry team is sworn to confidence. That's between you and the Lord. Those that are listening by live stream or radio, you can do business with God. Just, he hears. He, just ask him. But I want to start with asking the Holy Spirit. Those who want the Holy Spirit's presence, sometimes you got to press in. I, the generals, they, they sometimes went for months, weeks pressing in pressing in, pressing in. But we want to ask the Lord and we want to ask the Father. There's different roles. The Lord is a, an amazing healer. He's Jehovah Rapha. But there is the Father's role that when my children knock on the door and they ask for the Spirit, I will give him them. I will give the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we just, Lord, we just close our eyes right now in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Father, would you tear open heaven? In Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, it says, the heavens were rent. They were torn, literally, and the Holy Spirit descended. There was a fullness of that in Acts, chapter 2, on Pentecost. So now, Lord, we're asking in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you, Father, would send your Holy Spirit's presence, a fresh fire of baptism, those who have gotten a little cold, maybe a little stale, Lord, I ask you to blow fresh bread. Lord, fresh bread from the oven of God right now, the holy presence, the showbread of the kingdom. Come in and sup with you now, Lord. We ask that you'd open the door 
Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. In the name of Jesus, we bless you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and may he give you peace. Lord, I ask you to take the word that will not return void. Lord, use the word. Bring dreams and vision, revelation. Lord, let people get hungry to study the word. I remember I picked up the Bible years ago and, man, it looked like Greek to me. And then the Holy Spirit came and it started to enliven my heart, show me what was wrong with my life. And he journeys with us. He loves us. He's not condemning. He's not condemning anyone here. I don't care what you've done or where you've gone. I've had people come and tell me, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You know how far I've fallen. God says, oh, come on. My blood paid a price for you. And my love is greater than your failures. So, Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord, I just, let me just put your hands out like you're going to get a gift. Just get a moment and focus on the Lord for a moment. and Let the presence of God just come. Feel the weight of his presence. Feel the weight of his presence in your hands that, Lord, come. Come and baptize your people. Lord, help us to be alive in you. Help us to be the witness bearers, the light bearers, God. We thank you. We invite you to come back tonight at 5, if you can, 5 to 7, Interactive Church. Come with a word or something on your heart or just come to soak. Monday night, men's group, our different groups meeting throughout the week. We thank you, Lord. Wednesday night, don't forget, the Book of Romans study will start. If you want to really get empowered, I believe Alicia and Daniel are going to bring it. No pressure, but I just, eight weeks, we're going to dive into that word. And I thank you, Lord, for your presence here in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thanks for being with us, all those online as well. Come for prayer.